morning. morning. So good to see you. Um, I'm going to open in prayer before we get started. God, we just thank you. Thank you for church family. Thank you for friends. Thank you for like-mindedness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that we can just come into your presence and just be renewed. We love your presence. Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you that you're our teacher, our counselor. You guide us to truth. We're expectant, we're expectant this morning. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to instruct our hearts. You let us hear what we need to hear. I thank you, Lord, that we have ears to hear and eyes to see what you are doing. There's a lot of things going on, and I just say over us, we have ears to hear and eyes to see what God is doing. We thank you for that. And use me this morning, Lord, I pray that you, I would be your mouthpiece, Lord, that I would just speak life and truth this morning. Revelation would come forth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, um, what a week we've had. What a year we've had. There's a lot going on, a lot of swirling. Does anybody feel the swirls of going on? And, um, and so I've really had to go before the Lord with my heart, with disappointments, with things. I don't know if you've processed your heart with the Lord. I have learned the quicker I process things with the Lord, the better it is for me. That's why I love Sozo. It was only a couple months ago where I was like, Amy, I feel a little stuck. You know, I'll work on my heart, but if, it, if I at all feel stuck, I'm humble enough to invite somebody in to help me see what I'm not seeing. It's humility, and it's powerful. None of us. God has called us to be interdependent. As soon as we think all I need is God and I am fine, we are missing it because God's created family. And she's, she just helped me through some things, and it's so good to be set free because we are so narrow-minded sometimes. We all can be narrow-minded, and we need somebody else to come alongside us and say, Kara, you're missing this, and you're not seeing this. And especially inviting the Holy Spirit in. And here's the thing. This is not in my notes. I'm going to get to my notes, but here's the thing. When we are emotional about something, it is really hard to hear God's voice. It doesn't mean that God's not speaking. It's just that our emotions are so loud we can't hear. And there has to be a safe place and a safe person to invite in and say, I, I can't hear God. I know he's speaking, but I can't hear. Help me hear. And God will always do it. It doesn't mean you always need somebody, but sometimes you do. So anytime you get stuck, don't be stubborn. Get help. Call Amy. Call somebody. There's so many. I could point out so many amazing people in this place. Yeah. I can't believe how many powerful people are in this church. Yeah. I was like, you love us so much, God, because Ben and I couldn't do it alone. There's so many powerful people. You turn to your left or right and find somebody that could be a safe place for you and mentor you and pastor you. Amen. God's so good. Okay, so there's a lot going on. My title of my message this morning is Safeguard Your Life. Safeguard your heart. I want to talk about three ways to safeguard your heart. And we, through this 2020 and in the last couple of months, I don't know about you, but I got to really see what was in my heart. And what was in the hearts of people around me and in our country. <laughs> and 
There's three things that my parents have instilled in me and the Holy Spirit has instilled in me to help me safeguard my heart. We can't control people. We can't control government. We can't control what's going on. And it's not for us to call out whose heart is evil or not. It's not. We are in charge of our own heart. And so this morning, that's what I'm going to hit on. We are going to be powerful people. We're not victims. And we can live in God's promises no matter what anybody else around us chooses. I don't like some of the choices going on in this country, but I can't do anything about it. But you know what? I get to choose for myself. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm going to safeguard my heart to walk in God's promises and what God has for me. And I love that because here's the thing. No matter what anybody else does, you get to choose for yourself to walk in peace and joy and destiny. Isn't that so good? Isn't that good news? Okay, so, um, you know, God says that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're not of the world. That means we have to think different. We have to act different. And so there's three ways that we can safeguard our heart. I first want to start with Matthew 24, 12. Matthew 24, 12 says, Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Another translation says, and because of the iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, I've seen a lot of sin going on, (laughs) a lot of things going on. And I want to break down the scripture real quick. When it says that the love of many will grow cold, it means the affection, goodwill, love, benevolence, or brotherly love will grow cold. And that word cold isn't a sudden, like sudden. It actually means an evaporation. So have you ever boiled water? It takes time for all the water to evaporate. It's it's a slow process. You know, the enemy just works with little lies and little lies and little compromise and little compromise. And, you know, just as much as it takes to renew our mind to truth, the enemy is constantly trying to renew our mind to lies. And he started when we were in the womb, for some of us. I mean, a lot of you know my story, but my mom was like almost at the abortion clinic, not, not able to have me, feeling very hopeless. That's what I was bathed in in the, in the womb. So um, the love of many will grow cold. That scripture, I, I've known the scripture my entire life because my dad is an end time preacher. <laughs> he always brings up end times. That scripture scares me because it says many or most will grow cold. So the question for myself and with the Holy Spirit is how am I not going to be a part of that? And that should be your question too. We just want to point out everybody else and what they're doing. That's the wrong question. The right question is how is my heart going to stay on fire for the Lord no matter what is going on? We've been so busy pointing out what everybody else is doing wrong, we are neglecting our own hearts. Because even in wanting truth, we can still get offended and wrapped up in lies. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, Matthew 24, 24 says, False prophets, false messiahs will rise up and perform great miracles, signs, and wonders to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones, the elect. Did you hear that? 
Signs and wonders and miracles can take place that are not a part of God's agenda. Does that scare anybody either? So Matthew 25, 13 says, So stay awake. Be prepared, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Now I want to tell you a promise. We hear God's voice. If we stay awake and alert, we will be prepared for anything that comes. So how? How do we do that? Now listen, those are kind of scary scriptures, and we can just be like, oh, well, we have no chance. We have no chance. That's not true. We have God Almighty inside of us. God Almighty said, I'm actually just going to move right in with you and do life with you. We all hear God's voice. But there's three things, and and there's actually more than three, but I'm only going to say three today. There's so many ways we can safeguard our heart. But there's three things that I've seen proven true in my life. And I've talked to a lot of pastors. I've talked to a lot of ministers. And I said, am I right on with this? Absolutely. These three things will safeguard our heart and our life. So who wants to know them? All right. So the first one, stay in your word. Stay in your word. We've got to be in the word for ourselves. We can't just have somebody else always teaching us the word. We have to know the word because the word of God tells us what is true, what is right. The world is constantly telling us that evil is good and good is evil, more and more. And it can get very, very convincing because it's that slow evaporation, right? You hear it over and over and over again, and we think it's okay. Let me give an example. Abortion in this nation. It has become a commodity. About five years ago, I had a dream that I was running into a CVS or Walgreens, I can't remember. And when I walked in, there was tables with women full term saying, I've decided I don't want my baby, giving birth to the baby. And these ladies, men and ladies, were wrapping up babies in trash bags, suffocating them. And when they turned their head, I would run and slash these bags open. And the Lord was showing me abortion has become such a commodity. They're not even recognizing they are babies. Now, we think that would never happen. That would never happen. But there's a lot of things that are happening right now that we think would never happen. It's that slow evaporation. And we know that that dream was maybe five years ago. And was it this last year, uh, maybe last year, the year before? I think it was New York was the first one that said, Late-term abortion is okay, and even if the baby is in labor and coming out, it's okay. And there's somebody, I'm not going to call out her name, but she is now very high up in government, who is trying to pass something that babies who are born alive should get no medical attention. You guys, we got to wake up. Okay, we have to stay in our word. You know that you can love God without knowing God? You can love God without truly knowing God. That means you can say you're a Christian, I love God, but if you are not in your word, if we are not in our word, we won't know God. This is the character of God. This is who he is, is living and breathing. This is Jesus. This is how we get to know him. You know, being saved and being a disciple is two different things. Did you know that? You can be saved and not a disciple. A disciple is 
knowing God, knowing his word, and going after it. And God has called us to be disciples, not just saved, not just to get into heaven, but have relationship with God and know his word. It's taking up our cross and following him. When I'm counseling people and they're struggling, the very first thing I ask them is, are you in your word? 99% of the time they say, no, I've stopped reading my word. When we're out of God's word, we are self-sabotaging our hearts. The word of God is a life jacket in life, in this life on earth. We're in the world, but not of the world. The only way we're going to be in the world and not of the world is knowing God's word. All the more as days get evil. Now, I'm praying revival takes place. because Let me just say this real quick. I love righteous government and I like righteous laws, but laws don't change hearts. Right? right? Now, it sets a standard in our country, but just because you make a law, just because, you know, if they overturned Roe v. Wade and abortion wasn't legal anymore, is it all of a sudden everybody's just going to comply and think that's right? No. No. Actually, a lot of people rebel against law. We need God to change hearts. It's the church, not government. It's the church, not government. We need revival. I don't care how evil a president could be or how righteous. We need revival. We need the church to stand up, the Holy Spirit to move, that it's not even in our heart to want it. That Planned Parenthood goes out of business because no woman wants to murder her child. That is what we need to take place. And that's what we got to be praying for. That's us. We carry that because we give hope. You know, my mom wanted to abort me. It took one nurse to say, are you sure you want to do this? This baby is precious before the Lord. And my mom decided to keep me. People just need hope. They just need hope. They need truth. And that's you and I. But if we're not safeguarding our heart, if we don't know the word of God, we have nothing to give them. We have to know the word because the word sets us free. Psalms 119, 19 says, I am a foreigner on earth and I need your word to guide me. Who's a foreigner on earth with me? This is not our final destination. Our retirement looks so amazing. But we need God's word to guide us on this earth. Things are changing all the time. The enemy has lots of plans and schemes, but God conquers all and his word in our heart will conquer all. Psalms 119, 105, I think I have this scripture. 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now listen, we are called the salt and the light of the earth, right? We are the salt and the light. But the word, we are salt and light to people. But to us, the word is the light to your path and a lamp unto your feet. We will not know where to go, how to go, what to do without knowing God's word. It's God's word in our life. There's so many benefits of reading the word. There's so many promises. It's intimacy with God. Proverbs 4.22 says, reading the word, knowing the word is healing to our flesh. Just reading God's word heals our body. It is the best medicine. Did you know that? If, if our government would just release the word of God back in schools in different places, I think COVID would go away. Yes. Yeah. My opinion. 
The word of God gives us joy, peace, healthy relationships, prosperity, protection, wisdom on life, on and on and on. It's God's word and we have to know it. Okay, point two. I don't know if this, I don't think my thing's working, but you're taking care of me back there, Ed, huh? Is it this button right here? Okay, well, I can't do it, but. Point two, stay unoffended. This one is hard. This one is hard. I'm telling you, offense will make the love in your heart evaporate quicker than anything else I know. And the thing is that most offenses are not created by somebody else. They're created by our assumptions of what that person has done. It's true. Most offenses. Now, now I'm telling you, there's a lot of injustices. We could all raise our hands of true injustices. And I get that, and I'm sorry. A lot of times it could happen in church, and I hate that. We hear stories of people who come from different churches and what the pastor said or leaders or somebody else. I, I'm so sorry for that. But Jesus said a, a offense will come. <laughs> like he never said, I'm just going to put you in a bubble on earth. You're never going to feel pain. I wish he did. But he said, you're strong enough. You're strong enough and I'll equip you. We've got to deal with our hearts because it hardens our heart, offense, it hardens our heart, and we cannot hear the word of God. We can read God's word and not get it because it becomes a wall blocking. And so many times it's just our judgment of what somebody said or done. We make assumptions and we run with it. Okay, so let's get to our word. First Peter 3, turn with me. Number one, how do you safeguard your life? Get in your word. Um, I love the one-year Bible. I try to read the Bible through every year. I think I've read the Bible through maybe 13 times since I've been saved. I love that because that's a discipline, and I, I just like to accomplish reading through the Bible, and it doesn't take very long. Okay, the second one is stay unoffended. We're in 1 Peter, and go with me to chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 8. I'm going to read a little bit here. I'm going to go down to 16. I'm in the New Living Translation. It says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, full of sympathy towards each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. You know, the church has been pretty critical and judgy this last year. Everybody wants to be right. It's never the heart of God even if you are right. <laughs> Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do, and he will bless you for it. What does God want you to do? Replay, repay evil with a blessing. Who knows how fun that is? That's the worst. And that is what we're called to do. It is so painful, isn't it? That's the very last thing you want to do when somebody is evil. Her scriptures say, if you want a happy life in good days, Lord, I want a happy life in good days. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and keep your lips from telling lies. 
Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. Whew, that is hard work, right? Just getting married. There's a lot of work in that, right? Keeping the peace and add kids on that and then be a part of church. There's a lot of opinions, a lot of people, a lot of emotions. So work hard at living in peace with others. The eyes of the Lord are watching those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, who, um, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you. I want to tell you, God is a really good rewarder. If we would humble ourselves and put our pride, let God reward us. That small injustice is nothing compared to the miles of reward that God will give you, not just on this earth, but in heaven. There's going to probably be rewards handed out to you saying, thank you for overlooking that offense. Thank you for getting over that hurt. I know it was painful, and here's your reward. Your father, God, is looking out for you, and he's going to reward you for staying unoffended. You know, Jesus knows what it's like to be offended. He's been on this earth. (laughs) He was, I think, the most hated man, most loved and most hated. He had a lot in common. Trump had a lot in common with him. I was like, either people hate Trump or love him. There's no middle ground. And it was like that with Jesus. I mean, there's no comparison to Jesus and Trump besides that. Jesus is Jesus, but... Um, God will reward you. So don't be afraid and don't worry. You know what we're afraid of? They're going to get away with it. God's not doing anything. Don't be afraid and don't worry. God's on top of it. He knows what's going on. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. What is that saying? Just make God bigger than that situation. Worship your way out of it. And if you're asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But you must do it with a gentle and respectful way, keeping your conscience clear. And if people speak evil against you, I mean, this talks about people speaking evil against you like five times. And if people speak evil against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Oh, God will elevate you above your enemies. Remember, he makes the banqueting table and makes your enemies sit there as you're feasting on the rewards and goodness of the Lord. Um, And then go to um, 1 Peter 4. We're in 1 Peter 3, but go to 4, 7, and 8. It said, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, Jesus is coming back soon. Most important of all. You got that? Are you listening? Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. We don't need to point out each other's flaws. Nowhere does it say that. Keep loving. Keep loving. Stay unoffended. Keep loving. I'll reward you. I see the injustice. I'm going to take care of it. Even if they speak evil against you and evil and evil. I I was... um, talking to one of my daughters, and she just kept getting offended, offended, offended. And she's like, how many times am I supposed to forgive? I'm like, oh, girl, you've barely gotten started. <laughs> lifetime, lifetime. 
It's what we're called to do. It's called being a disciple of Jesus. We will forgive and forgive, and hopefully people will forgive us. <laughs> we can all offend people even without meaning to. Proverbs 18, 19 says, an offended person is harder to win back than a fortified wall. <laughs> Once you get to that place of offense, God is saying it is nearly impossible to break through. <coughs> the problem is with the wall, you, you know, people put up this wall to protect themselves, but the same wall that keeps out other hurt actually keeps out love and affection and everything else. There's not this wall of wisdom that says, oh, good can come in and bad out. We, offense, um, offense makes our heart draw cold. So we have to keep our heart tender before the Lord, and that is going before the Lord. That is doing sozo. I'm telling you, sozo is so healthy and so good because it's biblical. It's not scary. <laughs> So many people are like, no, not inner healing. <laughs> and it's like God's view of inner healing is so good. I loved what Amy said. God wants to redecorate our house, our heart. He doesn't just strip everything down. He's building it back up on truth and making it beautiful. There's two books that I'm going to recommend. If this at all is hitting your heart, two books I want to recommend. Ben and I try to read them annually, don't we, babe? How to Stop the Pain, Jim Richards, one of my favorite books. Yeah. And Keep Your Love On, Danny yeah. Silk. Yeah. Yeah. Every relationship, everything you're like, just keep reading these books. I, I feel like they should be annual books, just living in this life. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said offenses will come, but if we don't forget, if we don't forgive, We'll make our heart draw cold, draw cold. Okay, number one, how to safeguard your life. We have to know the word. Get in the word and listen. The Holy Spirit's with you reading the word. Ask him. I mean, if you've never opened up the Bible hardly at all, you have the Holy Spirit. If you are saved, if you've asked Jesus into your life, you have the Holy Spirit. He knows the word. Just say, open my eyes, and revelation's going to come, and it's going to heal your heart, make you strong, make you wise. All of a sudden, your relationships are better. You're doing better at work. You're in joy. You're in peace. You get excited to wake up in the morning. The second one, we have to stay unoffended. If you are offended right now, you might be offended with me. I am sure I have already said something to offend you. It's because I was testing you this morning. No. I want to let you know my heart wasn't to offend you. So you got to forgive. And if you don't know how to forgive, there's so many people in here that can help you and the Lord. And, you know, forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness doesn't mean what they did was okay. God's going to work it out. It doesn't mean you don't set up safe boundaries. You can forgive an abusive person, but that abusive person doesn't have to stay in your life. But most of the time, offense is really stupid things. Let's be honest. Stay unoffended. Point three, stay in church, stay in community. And church and community are two different things. Coming to church is powerful, but finding community in church is another level to that. So I'm going to kind of talk about both. Church is so important. Come with me to Hebrews 10. And I'm going to start with verse 24. 
Hebrews 10, starting with verse 24. It says, think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. I want to tell you something. Either revival is going to break out or Jesus is coming soon. I mean, that's my opinion, and either one would be great. Either way, because here's the thing. If revival comes, I don't want to miss it. I, I say, Lord, let me be a key player in the next revival. And I'm not going to do that if I'm offended. And if I'm not in the word and I'm not in community and I don't know what God's doing. I want to be a key player. It doesn't mean I have to be the name and the face of it. I'm just saying, I don't want to miss out. You know, when um, I think it was the Azusa Street Revival, God used a black man who had been rejected from the church. And he's like, oh, that's the perfect candidate. And people were so offended and said, this could not be God. And these signs and wonders and miracles were happening. God, God doesn't mind offending our pride ever because it gets in our way. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And if revival doesn't happen, which I think revival is going to happen, I'm ready for Jesus too. Amen. You know, like, great. I'm ready. I told Ben that's the easy way out. Heaven's the easy way out. I mean, come on. How fun is that? Isolation is one of the biggest ploys of the enemy. And point two goes with point three because how easy is it when we're offended to run? Right? Yeah. Ugh. I'm better without him. I'm better without him. Let me go. I'm going to tell you something. Church is messy because it has people. Church is messy, but we think it's easier not coming to church and dealing with people. It is not. We can all raise our hands of things that we have been offended of, but I'm telling you, I have so many more good stories than bad with people in church. And my hardest times and my hardest moments is my church family, my community that got me out of it. And I know some of you here that I've had the honor to walk through tough things with. You know we need each other. We need each other. Isolation is one of the biggest ploys of the enemy. What he wants to do is draw us out from people. See, they're not safe. See, they're not for you. Come, come, come. Isolation. So we can just whisper lies, whisper lies. And what happens is the love in our heart starts evaporating. We don't even know it. We love God. We're a Christian, and slowly, 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 and then all of a sudden, you don't even recognize your life and what, where you are. This last year, I have seen so many people fall away from the Lord. It's hurt my heart so much, just simply from not coming back to church. And some people can't come back. I get that, but not watching online. And you have to be extra intentional if you're not coming in person. It's possible. We have to be extra intentional and, and not being in their word. Their heart is drawn cold. I don't even recognize them, mm-hmm. and they're offended. And it could happen to any of us. I'm not pointing fingers. It can happen to any of us. Mm-hmm. We have to safeguard our heart. I have a video I want to play. It's a little graphic. We can handle it, right? Yep. 
This is, this is what the enemy wants to do with us. So they team up, approaching their prey from different angles. Zebras learn to keep their distance, but one zebra is about to violate the first rule of the safari. Always stay with the group. The lion will go for the typical. Sorry. <laughs> I want to tell you something. God is our protector. I'm not saying that God doesn't protect us and doesn't love us. But I'm telling you, it's really easy for an open door to the enemy when we're not in the word and we're not in community. Because when we err, somebody else has our back. You know, zebras stay together because all the stripes confuses the lions. It's really hard when there's a lot of them. And when we're together and we're in corporate worship, the enemy can't stand to be here. Lies have to dissipate when we're together. There's power coming together and worshiping together. And it says, think of creative ways to encourage one another and outbursts of love and be sympathetic to one another and somebody talk about their week and somebody give a word of knowledge and word of wisdom and the prophetic word. And we need the gifts because we are called to encourage one another. How hard is it to do that outside? Now, I know you can watch any great teaching online. I get that. But nothing is like being in person, hugging somebody and corporate worship and feeling the presence of God. There is something to it. Did you know there's a temple in heaven and that heaven is going to come on earth and Jesus is going to rule and reign in Jerusalem with the temple? We say church is going away. It's not. We're going to have houses mansions and a temple because there's something about coming together getting out of your house getting out of your community and getting into church and corporate worship Amen. and i believe jesus christ is going to be teaching from the temple and still teaching and instructing us that's for eternity church isn't going away church is god's idea jesus is ahead jesus died for the church and I know that we're the church, the body of Christ, but I'm saying together, don't neglect coming together. There is power coming. You can have a horrible morning, wake up in a funk and come to church and you know you're radically feel different walking out of here. You agree? It's the presence of the Lord we all carry, right? One takes a thousand to flight, two takes what? Look at all of us here. How many are we taking down? Demonic force is just right. being here. Yeah. We're taking down strongholds. Yeah. Amen. That's fun. <laughs> find your people and you find your destiny. Destiny isn't an action you do. It's the people you do life with. Yeah. You, you find your people, the ones that God has called you to do covenant relationships with, and just loving them and doing life with them, great exploits come. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to do great exploits. But we, we're not going after the thing. God is a relational God. It's you and I together. God, what are we going to do this year? Yeah. Look at you guys. Our first house in Kenya is done yeah. because of us. How many kids are in there? Six kids. Eight, now. eight kids. We are taking care of eight orphans that were on the street.
street that nobody's looking out for. And we have a water well feeding a community. You and me. You and me were a part of that. That's fun. That's called great exploits. That's called destiny. I love that. I know we all have individual destinies, but guess what? We get to run alongside each other. What's in your heart, Carlos? I am for you. What's in your heart, Margarita? I'm for you. And we're encouraging one another to do great things and do the things that God has called us to do. The church is the charging station to go into the world. We got to recharge our batteries together. Okay, Ephesians 4. I'm going to, I'm closing up. Ephesians 4. How's everybody doing? Okay? Verse 11. He, this is God, he is the one, uh, Ephesians 4, 11, he is the one who gave gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come into such unity, our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our mind about what we believe because somebody told us something different, or because somebody had cleverly lied to us and make the lie sound like truth. Instead, we'll hold truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and pastors as gifts to equip. This is why Ben and I intentionally invite in apostles and prophets and evangelists. Oh my gosh, the next two weeks, we have evangelist after evangelist. Both of these evangelists has seen crazy signs, wonders, and miracles. Get ready. They just walk in. Evangelists just walk in. I mean, it's for all of us, but you know, that because evangelists are risky and they're scary, you know? Like, this evangelist on the seventh is the one that Ben and Dan traveled with. And they saw crazy, I mean, I went on a couple trips. I, I'm saying blind eyes open, people out of wheelchairs. There was a lady next to me who wasn't saved. She was blind in one eye. She did the salvation prayer and her eye opened. On, <laughs> Signs, wonders, and miracles, they're coming. Because the church needs the evangelist. I want to tell you, you need your pastors. And if this isn't your church, there's so many great churches. You need a pastor. Guess what? Ben and I need a pastor in our life. We are pastored. We hold each other accountable, and we have people that hold us accountable. They listen to our teachings. They meet with us regularly to make sure that we stay in line with the word. Any of us can fall. We need pastors. We need apostles. We need prophets. We need prophets. What is the Lord saying? We need teachers. We have powerful teachers in this room, and we share the pulpit because everybody carries something different. God has given these roles, these five-fold ministries for us to equip us so what? We can mature and grow and become Christ-like. So the moment we think we don't need church, it is so much pride. And we'll be like the little kid that's constantly changing. We don't invite anybody to come teach at our church who is not plugged into a church. 
I don't care how many signs and wonders they walk in. I don't care how anointed they are. If we don't see them submitted to a pastor and a church, it scares us. It's a red flag. I have never seen in my life, and I was talking to my mom and talking to other pastors, I have never seen anybody, and I could be wrong, okay? I'm just saying me personally. I've never seen anybody stop going to church and do well. I've seen two things. They fall on a way for the Lord or they get into weird doctrine. Every time. They've gotten into weird doctrine or they've fallen away from the Lord. Church is so important. And the right church is so important. Like not just any church. You find your people. You find your destiny. It's like the right church with the right teachings. But we need each other. Um, I want to talk about a few statistics about the power of coming to church. And you know, these statistics are actually, I mean, there's so many things in the word of God, but these are actually secular statistics about people coming together. And um, the first one, let's put up there. There's so many, but I'm just going to have a couple. Happiness and significantly less depression. And they were thinking that in the study, they were thinking, well, it's just the social thing. If somebody's social, that's going to make them happier. But it was a huge difference versus somebody going to a bar or to a party or with friends at a house versus church. This is only for those who go to church because of the presence of God and God has called it significantly less depression. Those who regularly go to church and happy. People who are asked, they go to church, if they're happy or not, majority said, I'm so happy. Number two, better health and longer life. Better health and longer life. Number three, more successful, smarter, and better grades. You know, Holy Spirit makes us smart. They just succeed. People who regularly go to church just succeed. Number four, you know, back to that one, there's a lot of reasons, but I feel like, too, um, I'm smarter being around you guys. You give me things I don't know, and when we're teachable and around, we learn things. God, we all have gifts and talents, and just being around each other and getting our heads together over a situation, we're just smarter. And kids just thrive more and get better grades because they're in the presence of the God, in the presence of the Lord at least once a week. And I'm not saying you don't have the presence at your house. You do. So listen to me. You do. You have the presence of the Lord with you always. But there's something different about coming together in corporate worship. Okay, number four, stronger marriages. I don't know if there's kids in here either, but I want to tell you, they said that you have better sex in marriage regularly coming to church. <laughs> I love that. I love to one-up the world. They make sex out of marriage look so appealing, and it's not. It hurts hearts, and it destroys people. But sex in marriage with the Holy Spirit, wow. And regularly coming to church, I don't know what that's about, but that should motivate the non-believer to come in. Right? I know it's worked for us, huh, babe? Number five, children thriving in life, less divorce when they get married, less premarital sex, less drugs and alcohol. Just 
by parents bringing them to church. Now, what about getting in community? This is just coming to church, which is so powerful. But upgrading that is instead of being a guest, become family. Start serving. Start being a part. There's so many ways where you can get to know because it's really easy to sneak into corporate worship. Nobody knows anything about my life. And I'm not going to get to know anybody else and leave. These are just for those people. Imagine community, actually opening your heart a little bit, being vulnerable and let people look at your heart and be willing to linger, like James says, in getting to know somebody else. You might have the very answer somebody needs. It's not just about you. You might be fine coming in and out, but people need you. God needs you and God needs you in his kingdom. I just want to let you know that you are a key part of what God is doing. God has such a role for you, and he wants to use you in a great way. There's things you have that I do not have. Okay, I think that might be all of our slides. Oh, do we have any more? Was that all of them? Okay. Well, there's a few more. Better time management in life is another one. They said people who come to church actually have better time management. You know how God redeems time? You give God Sabbath day. You you rest. You you say, this is the day of the Lord. We're going to focus on the Lord. We're going to rest. We're going to recharge. God makes your six days more fruitful. He can do that. A lot of people say, I just don't have time. I'm just so tired coming to church. And I know people work really hard. But I'm telling you, the world even says Mm -hmm. you'll have more time. More time management in your day, your week just goes better, giving God your first fruits. Amen? Okay, stand with me. God, we, um, we thank you for longing to have relationship with us, that you're such a great pursuer. And Lord, we don't know what's coming. We don't know what even tomorrow looks like. But we do know you're coming back. I don't know the day or the hour, but we know you're moving. You have great plans for us. God has great plans for you. I'm telling you, I don't care what the world is doing. We're not participating. And there's people we need to bring in out of the world to be among God's family. God, we thank you that you've given us the word. It's a a gift God has given us. God has given us a gift. And some of us need to open it up and and use the gift. The word of God brings joy and peace. It transforms us. It's a light into our path. If you don't know where you're going right now, if you feel empty and you don't know where you're going, I'm telling you the answer is in the word. And if you feel stuck at all, check your heart. Do you have a fence? Has somebody hurt you? God is really good at healing broken hearts. He's really good at it. He knows your heart better than you. Lord, help us stay unoffended. Offense comes, Lord, but show us how to protect our hearts, that our hearts are tender before you, that we have eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing, that our own pride and our own offense doesn't block us from participating in what you're doing and what you're saying. 
Lord, we thank you for church. We thank you for pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists. You've given to us to equip us. Even if they're different than us, Lord, that we will listen and learn. Thank you for church, Lord. I thank you for a nation we can come to church. I don't know if that's always going to be. You know, there's a lot of countries you can't meet together. They have to sneak, and they can be killed for it. We're so blessed. We're so blessed that we can freely come together whenever we want. God, I thank you for family. I thank you for the people here. I love them so much, God, and I know you do too. We say this is going to be the best year. We're safeguarding our hearts. We're putting the life jacket on. And we're going to thrive in 2021. Amen. You're healing hearts even right now, Holy Spirit. Heal hearts even right now. And listen, there's no shame and no condemnation. If you feel that at all, that's the enemy. I break that off you. You are valuable. You are lovable. There's no shame or condemnation. God's inviting you to an upgrade. That's all it is. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.